for all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's episode of Property on Fire. So what do we have coming up on today's episode? Well, I'm going to be referring back to last week's episode of Property on Fire, which was the interview with Darren Brewer with regards to local authorities banding each bedroom individually for council tax. So we're going to be looking at some of the feedback I've had on that episode. I'll be looking at some of our sites. I've got a letter or an email in from Wendy. So we'll be having a look at her questions. That's all to do with splitting of a house. And I'll have a little rant. I've not had a rant for a couple of days. Oh, and I've been asked about what happened to British Gas. So we'll touch on that as well. I'm sure you're all dying to know what happened with British Gas. So without further ado, let's get started. Please do like, review and subscribe to this podcast and come with me on this property journey. Right, to start this week's episode, I want to look back at last week's episode, which was episode 29. And that was an interview with Darren Brewer, which has yeah, it's been well received, actually, to be honest. And I'm glad we did it because it's brought something to light. And that is banding by local authorities for individual bedrooms. And it does seem that this is a far more common than I actually thought. I was certainly aware of a few HMOs that have had it, but it does seem that there are an awful lot of people that have been affected. And it hasn't just been landlords that have got in touch. It's tenants as well. And the tenants have been saying to me, essentially, the fact that they feel squeezed. At the moment, they are struggling with cost of living and everything else going up. All those extra utility costs have had to be passed on to them. And now the local authority wants them to pay again for council tax. And quite rightly, they are saying, well, that's fair enough, but we're not actually using the same amount of services as perhaps a house might do or a family might do in a similar property so although they are being banded under a which is the lowest rate they still feel quite rightly the fact that they are paying a little bit too much so we'll keep in touch with this i know darren has promised me that he's going to keep me updated with developments as and what happens we'll just have to wait and see but the consultation is due out at some point in the new year and as soon as we have that information then we'll pass that on now if you're listening to this thinking what on earth are you on about please go back to episode 29 and have a listen to that interview because yeah i think it was quite enlightening i think is the best word here to just demonstrate the problem that is before many people out there and i've got lucy matthew uh, Mike, you know, and several others have all got in touch with me to say thank you. So it's not me that's doing the work. No, 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 no. I've just been reporting it. It's all those people that we mentioned last week who put in so many hours just making a difference and trying to get this banding removed on in individual rooms and putting it once again back onto the property itself. 
couple of weeks ago, I mentioned on this podcast the fact that we were having a slight difficulty in purchasing some land. And I said then that we're going to have to reach out to some of our investors because the clock is ticking. During the last couple of weeks, we actually managed to have an extension to that deadline up until the 19th of December. However, I am pleased to actually say that we actually got this across the line. I'm very grateful to all the efforts made by my business partner, Jonathan Stobbs, and the rest of the team in actually getting this across the line. We actually managed to get it across last Monday, so the 5th of December, and we've now completed on that land purchase, so we can get going on actually building this now. But before we do, we just have to go through the plans because the one thing that has altered since those plans went in is building regs and the building regs have altered and as a result we need to relook at the three bungalows or dormer bungalows that we are planning to build there and just make sure that they will be compliant with the current building regs as they stand at the moment so we'll be looking at that the other thing that we do have to put in for is a section 171 which will allow us to cross over from the private drive that will serve the three dwellings onto the main road and that's that's not too bad we have to do that we have to put down a a small bond i believe from memory that's around about four thousand pounds just to make sure that we do everything correctly that shouldn't be too onerous for us to do and then we can actually get into the site properly because one of the preconditions is that we have to create the visibility display which as you drive out of the road it's the angle so you can see traffic from left and right and just make sure that's constructed with i believe 10 meters of roadway into the site we have to do that first and then we can start building the dwellings that already have full planning permission uh, all bar the changes that we may have to make to do with the building control changes that that came into effect in the late summer of this year 2022 now one other bit of news to actually share with you and this is to do with a brownfield site that uh, you may have heard me mention previously on property on fire and this is a brownfield site down in Newquay in cornwall prior to this i haven't actually been able to mention the actual site or whereabouts it is but this is a site that we have been well it's been we've been working on this for the last two years so things do not always move rapidly in development quite often they could be very slow but i'm pleased to say that we've now actually submitted planning and this is for 20 apartments and four houses and this is a brownfield site in Newquay you can actually find the application online and a quick google search will probably bring it up it is actually a hotel at the moment that we are looking to demolish it's been closed for over a year and we've been working with the vendors during that period of time and a little bit longer with regards to changing that to residential in all honesty I think it has to go to residential. Other hotels have been approached. The sales agent made approaches to a number of hotel chains, both um, you know small independent plus uh, the national chains. And unfortunately, nobody was interested as a hotel. As a result of that, the vendors have been talking to us. We've actually designed a scheme. Now, we believe that the scheme is good for Newquay. We believe it's good for the site. We've actually reduced the overall mass of the current building by over 20%. So rather than actually building something bigger 
Uh, we're actually reducing the size, the overall mass of the building. And I don't believe we're actually going any higher than the current building is. Uh, it's about the same from memory. Now, one thing that we have had to do is the net biodiversity gain this we have managed to get it's a net gain of well almost 50 percent to be honest i think about 49 percent so that's pretty good um that we're actually looking at now i did mention before that we've got to have this big bat house well it's almost like a bat cave to be honest it is rather big and it's for one bat that's a crazy thing about it but never mind Never mind, I'm sure he or she will be very happy in its new home. That is if it even comes back. I don't know, to be honest. But these things we have to do and tick all the right boxes for the site. But yeah, we are looking forward to that journey. We're meeting down with the councillors on site in a week's time. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, we are as confident as one can be. You know, I never like to sort of be overconfident in these things. But I feel that we have given a good solution to this particular site within Newquay in Devon you know feel free to follow me on Facebook social media and all that and I'm sure I will update the development of that planning application as we go through so we'll see how that goes but I think with both this planning application and Newquay and the land that we purchase eventually in North Devon, in West Woodhoe, that's where that land is, that things do not move rapidly. And if there's one takeaway from today's episode of Property on Fire is have patience. Things will not always go right. And as my wife will tell you at times, I do get a little bit stressed by some of these things. I will admit to that because I probably want everything being done immediately and expect everything to happen, not on the click of a finger, but probably faster than they realistically can happen. And so patience is a virtue. It really is. It's an easily spoken phrase, but it really is. And I think in property and especially development and conversions and stuff like this, you just have to be patient. Things do not always go smoothly first time. And occasionally you have to reach out to others and ask for help. But eventually things do get over the line and you will achieve things. So if you're actually stuck in that rut at the moment thinking, do you know what? It's all very well in saying that he's got this, he's got that, and everything's going wonderful. Keep on going. Just keep battling. Keep educating yourself. Keep learning. And just keep on going. Uh, don't give up. Just do not give up. Do not think, I'm not good enough for this, or I'm not good enough for that. Just keep on going. And if I can help you, I always say that, you know, just reach out and I'll do what I can to help you. And I really do mean that because there's plenty of people out there on my journey that have helped me get to where I am now with my current business partner. I'm only too happy to help others. So whether I'm speaking at a, a partners in property meeting or I'm speaking at another event uh, with someone else, if I can help you, just grab me in and ask me questions. I'm only too happy to do that. But have patience and keep on going because eventually these things will work out. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley and now Ian's rant. Now, when I'm speaking at property events up and down the UK, I use obviously the motorways and everything else. And I tell you one thing that really, really, really annoys me more than anything are fog lights. 
we get this problem every single flipping year. Fog lights. People have got them on. Okay, when it's foggy, no problem at all. That's great. That's what they are there for. But guess what? You have a switch on those. Turn them off if it's not foggy. Have a look in the manual. If you're not sure how to switch these lights on and off, go and have a look in the manual. Now, where is the manual? Well, it's going to be in your glove box. Front left-hand corner of your car. There's a little cubby hole there. Put it down. That's glove box. You don't keep gloves in it. I appreciate that. But it's a glove box. Within that, there is a manual. Nice, thick manual. It's probably never even been opened, never been flicked through. If it's anything like mine, you only look at them when you've got a light on the dash. You think, what the heck's that light mean? Then you go find the book. You flip to page whatever. Have to go back to the index because you can't actually find it because it's not in a normal order. But never mind, you go and find it eventually. Now, you can do that with your fog lights. Go and have a look. See how they turn on or off. They might be on that sticky thing that comes out the side. Now, I say the sticky thing because if you drive certain models of car, you're probably not that used to moving that sticky thing up or down. Point is with fog lights, they are a pain in the backside if they are on when they shouldn't be on. They are not rain lights. They are not sun lights. They're not daylight lights. They're not night lights even. They're not, the front ones are not for looking cool driving around the high street. They are fog lights. They are there for fog, which is a lack of visibility within one kilometer. Okay, so if you haven't got that, and you can see more than a kilometre away, you don't need the fog lights on at all. And when people are behind you, they can see you, but actually you're blinding them. So have a think, turn them off. Just keep them off rather than on most of the time. But if you can't see, now I'm going back a few years. When I was younger, I used to do night shifts or evening shifts as shifts as they were. We would work till perhaps two o'clock in the morning. And if you live out in Essex, we used to live in Rayleigh in Essex. And quite often I used to drive along the A127. Dual carriageway, if you know the road, well, in those days, quite often it was foggy and you used to have to drive along about 20 miles an hour, keeping the central line of the dual carriageway in the middle of the car because you couldn't see either way. You couldn't see in front of you and you just had to go along hoping that nothing was there. Well, situation like that, fine. Fog lights and they would really, really, really be helpful. And of course, technology has improved over the years. But please, guys, please turn the darn things off it annoys me it really does so i'm excuse me for having this rant as i often do but please they just annoy me so enough said but if it's something that annoys you let me know send me a message send me an email pigeon post whatever you want to do just let me know what annoys you maybe fog lights just annoy me maybe it's just me but i probably think it's probably not okay so turn the darn things off if it's raining if it's snowing snowing I've seen them in snow. We don't need them in snow. It's not fog. F-O-G. It ain't fog. Let me know if you've got a rant and I'll be more than happy to cover that on a future episode of Property on Fire. Okay, back to a little bit of normality now. I've received an email from Wendy. So thank you, Wendy, for your email. And she says, Hi, Ian. I'm so pleased you're back on my podcast app. Well, I'm delighted to be here, Wendy. Thank you. I missed the great learnings I got from each episode. Well, I'm not going anywhere. I've decided I'm not going anywhere. And I'm going to record these every week, week in, week out, whilst I can. So I'm pleased to be back, Wendy, and really appreciate your email. And Wendy says, I have been a vanilla 
buy to let investor for a while and i'm exploring ramping up this by buying larger houses with intent to split them into two or more flats she goes on to say i still want to stay in my target area but how will i know if a local planning authority stance is open to or resistant to flat conversions in the local area she explains that the at the moment most of the properties around there are social landlords and so there aren't too many privately owned properties and there's not many split ones either and so she's asking me what sort of planning things should she take into consideration when looking at potential properties to buy for example does there have to be adequate off-street parking for both dwellings and do the houses have to be detached and she's looking forward to hearing my thoughts and guidance so thank you again wendy for your email i'm more than happy to help you so let's just go through these one by one these points i suppose the first thing you need to look at wendy is is there a demand in the area okay so you said there's an awful lot of social housing so and there aren't too many private dwellings so is there demand for flats in that area so i would go and have a word with a few estate agents go and have a chat with them perhaps if it's before christmas go and take them a mince pie or something sit down with them and, and have a good old chinwag with them and try and find out what that demand is just go and see what interest is because there's little point in creating a dwelling if you can't either let it or sell it okay you may think oh i just want to keep them or i just want to sell them well you should always have a plan b and ideally a plan c so if you can't if you intend to sell would it matter if you kept them would they rent out if they don't sell could they do something like service accommodation or something else are there other options available to you if your plan a does not work for some reason so just make sure that you have that and you can make sure that there is demand in the area assuming that there is demand that's great so what do you have to look at as far as the local planning authority is concerned well in some areas local authorities are not keen on houses being split up the main reason for that wendy is the fact that larger families do not have anywhere to live in that locality because all the family homes are occupied and perhaps those aren't have been split into flats and if they're all two bed flats people can't there isn't a sort of a three bed or even a four bed house for people to actually live in if they've got a larger family so that is quite important and that will be pushed back by the local authority now the important thing is here it is full planning so there is no permitted development right to create an extra dwelling or two so the property will need planning so you'll need to go through the local authority speak to the planning officer etc etc now you say don't have to be detached no doesn't matter whether they're detached or semi-detached or terraced or whatever it really doesn't matter but you just have to make sure that the property is suitable to be split not all layouts work well for splitting into flats so just putting on my developer hat here you need to make sure that the layout physically works so where is the staircase 
Are you going to have to move the staircase if the stairs are in the wrong place? If you go up from the stairwell, can you logically create another flat up there? Just stand at the top of the stairs and think, yeah, can I get a flat here? Can I get a flat? Where is the bathroom at the moment upstairs? Where would the pipes run up and down between the two flats? Does that work? Look at the kitchens. Think about where they could be and think about minimum space standards. So you need to make sure that you get those correct because if you get them wrong, then it's not going to work and it will fail at planning. Now, just as a little tip there, as far as minimum space standards for everyone listening, is if you have, say, two bedrooms and your property is not big enough for a four-person house, please make sure that you only show a single bed in one of the rooms, okay? So make sure it's got a double bed and a single bed if it's only suitable for three people. If it meets the space standards for four, then fine. But the problem is if you show four beds and it only meets minimum space standards for three, it will fail. Okay, so you need to make sure you get that correct. So making sure that you there is demand, the property, it doesn't matter if there's terraced or whatever, but just make sure you can split it because you will need to split the utilities and stuff like that. Wendy, you did mention off-street parking. And yes, this is a consideration that you will need to meet. Plus also the amenity space for the flats. So if the house has a garden at the moment, how will the upstairs flat, for example, have access to that garden? Or will it? Now, if it doesn't, where is the outside space or amenity space for that flat? And that is something that will be looked upon as being quite important um, as far as the well-being, if you like, of those residents. So you will need to look at that. Is there a way that you can put a stairwell down and out to the back garden and perhaps split that back garden? doesn't have to be split lengthways. It could be split horizontally or whatever but you really will need some form of outside space for those residents and they're going to have to have access to it so obviously if you have got a terrace and you don't have a pathway going down the side of the house then you may have an issue that you'll need to think about now as far as parking is concerned depends upon the local plan depends upon where the properties are if it's in a city centre something like that or a town centre maybe parking isn't so critical and that the local authority does not wish to encourage more vehicles it will depend upon the area is there any street parking outside one thing you can do is look at a Lambeth parking strategy or survey essentially this is available spaces within the 200 meter walk of the front door so it isn't a radius it's actually a walk so um, now that can be behind if you can get behind via a road or perhaps a footpath or something like that that is open and available or cross the road or wherever it might be but it cannot be anything that is a parking zone so if you have meters if you have a residence parking stuff like that you cannot count those spaces because they are not open and available to all and what the lambeth parking survey says is the fact that one will check 
uh, probably three times within a week, one of which is an overnight, and just seeing as to how many spaces are available within 200 metres of the front door of that dwelling. That is an option if you do not have or cannot create parking physically on the site itself. Obviously, if you've got a driveway, something like that, that you can expand or share then that that is the best solution at the end of the day wendy but yes you will need to look at parking you'll need to also look at bin and bike stores so have a look at those as well so it's generally the things that we need to look at for a new dwelling just to make sure that the people there have access to either a car a bike have somewhere to store their recycling and their rubbish and everything else just the normal things that most of us like uh, to have in our lives plus also a little bit of amenity land now perhaps if you're next to a park or something like that then maybe the amenity land isn't so important so if there are other resources you may be able to use that as a an exception to the rule to having some form of amenity land fine if you've got balconies that's fine but obviously I appreciate most properties are not going to have a balcony. So have a think about that, Wendy. And if you need clarification on anything on that, then please do get in touch. And if you have a question that you'd like me to cover, just like Wendy has, that perhaps she's looking at something or you're looking at something as part of your property journey, then please do get in touch and send me an email as as Wendy did. I'd be delighted to receive them and I'm more than happy to help you in any way that I can. Just before I finish on today's episode of Property on Fire, British Gas. Now, if you've been following Property on Fire, you will know that this is an ongoing saga that I've had with British Gas over, well, it's been well over a year, to be honest. Well, I think we just about got there in the end. To be honest, I just ran out of of words to say to them, to be honest. Um, and even when I said, yes, I think we're all sorted, guess what? Another problem arose and they hadn't actually done what they said that they had actually done. And it wasn't quite right. And I actually discovered only when somebody moved in to one of the flats that, again, there was something that was being wrongly billed and the wrong charge was being made to that particular flat. All very annoying. But they did offer me compensation. To be fair, they offered me compensation of £20. 20 British pound notes they offered me. And that was it. Uh, it's because it was considered as a whole case. It was one job lot. The fact I had to battle for 22 apartments is neither here nor there. As far as they were concerned, it was one case and only one issue. Didn't matter how long it took, it was one issue. So that was worth £20. Now, to be honest, I looked upon it, and I'm sure you're saying, 20 quid for that? Insult. Yeah, I did find it was an insult. They came back and offered me £50. And to be honest, I just couldn't be bothered because their previous efforts to give me money as refunds failed miserably. So I took the option of writing to the... Uh, ombudsman and so we'll see where that goes to but um, I'm not holding out an awful lot of hope for this I'm just pleased to have it off my case and I'm pleased not to have to keep ranting about it on here um, and if I can give you one piece of advice avoid British gas I did not get on well with them maybe you have maybe life is rosy with British gas but for me no 
I'm afraid it did not go well. It took weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. In fact, probably well over 100 weeks. And goodness knows how many emails, goodness knows how many letters. But certainly, I reckon 40 to 50 letters and emails and goodness knows what else at the very least. So yeah, took an awful lot of my time. All the flats there are now sold. And so we can draw a line under that. We have got planning that we are putting in for some more houses on the site, but we'll chat about that in a future episode of Property on Fire when we actually get to that point. Well, a big thank you to everyone that listens to this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Some of the episodes have gone well over a thousand downloads, which I'm very, very grateful to. And to think that over a thousand of you are listening to my dulcet tones week in, week out is uh, is amazing on, on your part, to be honest. <laughs> so thank you for doing that. And look, we are almost, well, we're now well into December. We're almost at Christmas. Um, there'll be another episode or two before Christmas. But if I can help you in your property journey in 23, then please do get in touch. And if I bump into you at one of the various Christmas events, then please come and say hi. Come and tell me you listen to this podcast. That would be superb. But in the meantime, keep safe and we'll chat again next Tuesday. Have a wonderful week. Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. Please use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like a question answered on a future episode, email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk.